Hi everyone, Dr. Elizabeth Bonet here. Dr. Liz, welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Before we jump in, please note that the podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world, so please feel free to contact me through my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z-hypnosis.com. Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here. My interview this week is with Carrie Hummingbird and I think you will find her concepts really interesting. She is really wonderful to talk to. We had quite the fun discussion after the recording stopped actually about what's going on in our lives and um, pulling oracle cards and all kinds of things that are lining up. In this interview, we talk about how to take care of the inner child, the little child that lives within you, and also how to transform the mother voice that is often with you into a voice that's caring and loving and supportive. It sounds like we do very similar things actually, but we approach it a little differently. Myself, more from hypnosis, which I also consider spiritual work, particularly when I'm doing deeper emotional healing, and she's approaching it from a shamanic perspective which has always been fascinating to me, shamanism. Carrie also talks about her journey and how she got where she is as a spiritual advisor and healer. She is the author of Reinvent Yourself, From We to Me, Awakening Me, The Second Wave, and her newest one is called Fierce Love, Healing the Mother Wound. It is quite a significant book. So let's jump in and hear what she has to say. Peace. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me on the show. Absolutely. I think we have um, some nice overlap in terms of working on that inner child voice and the internalized mother. So I definitely approach that through hypnosis and taking care of that inner child and sort of changing some of the language there that goes on. I'm not quite sure how you approach that. So that was actually one of my first questions. Your book focuses on healing and has some really lovely like meditations and um, prayers and calls to Mother Earth, like some grounding to it. But how do you approach that inner child voice? Yeah. So a lot of what I do is help people identify patterns, patterns that are coming through the family line that are inherited. And uh, the way that our early childhood brains were programmed with those patterns. Um, and it happens so seamlessly, of course, because when we're born, we're formed inside of our mother's womb. And so all of the uh, things that our mother believes about herself or believes about the world or believes to be true become part of just the fabric of our own consciousness as we're being gestated as a person gets to the place where they want to be free, then mm -hmm. we, we have to go explore, like peel back the veil and see what are some of those beliefs? What are some of those things? And then how did our child actually feel? So we have to become aware. So I use various resources to help trigger awareness. So, cause <laughs> triggering awareness is really important. And in my book are some things like that, but then I also use other people's work because they have beautiful triggers for becoming aware that 
um, let's say that certain behaviors weren't maybe as loving as they could be, right? Mm-hmm. And they might have thought that was just normal and that was just the way it was, right? That's just how it is. When you become aware of it as something that could be elevated, now there is a question. It's like, what did my inner child experience? And was I really okay with what I experienced as a child? Or did I make some ideas about myself based on those experiences? So a lot of the way I get at that is through the triggering to kind of um, reveal certain things. And then um, we do a lot of, I've been trained in some modalities of like visiting a imaginary sacred space Mm-hmm. in a meditation with my clients mm-hmm. and then calling forth whatever inner child, whatever aspect of the client experienced that feeling or that sensation or those paradigms. And then that child comes forward into this call, this space called the sanctuary. And then we can ask some questions, you know, like, do, mm-hmm. does this hurt? Where does it hurt in your body? What do you think about yourself when you're feeling this? What are your, you know, what are your ideas about life or how things are for you in life based on that feeling. And so we'll kind of navigate that. And then we do a healing and clearing. So the client is the one that does the clearing Mm -hmm. and I'm simply there to peer through their, (laughs) through them and to see what they're doing. Like I kind of spy, I guess, but like (laughs) I permission to spy. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, but I'm not doing the clearing. They're doing the clearing and healing and I'm supporting them and doing that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It sounds very similar. Like often I'll help them create, well, they do it in their own mind, but I, I'm guiding them to create a healing space. And in this very safe healing space, first there's a safe place and it may or may not be the same place as the healing place. But once we do the discovery, it's like, all right, let's create that healing place and then see what the inner child needs, right? What are they asking for? What did they not get in their life? Um, yeah, very similar, very similar. Like what's coming up and then helping them heal that, guiding that, I would say. But yeah, they have to do the work, right? Like that, like you exactly. cannot do the work for them. That's that's um, definitely my training emphasize. Like you cannot do the work for them. They have to do the work to really have that be a deeper change. Yeah, absolutely. Because also you're not in their body. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have the ability to... F- sense, have sensations in my body that someone else is experiencing in their body. So it helps me to tune into them and give them a starting place or to affirm, confirm what they're experiencing. Like, um, maybe I'll, all of a sudden my throat will start getting tight and I'll say, well, I'm feeling some energy in my throat. What are you feeling in your throat? And then I'll have them go deeper Mm. into that. And really what I found Mm -hmm. out about myself as I learned this process and, and about people that I work with is that most of us don't, are not very tapped into our own bodies. Like we're sort mm-hmm. of separated from it or floating outside of it, you know, <laughs> like keep yeah, got totally, enough energy to keep totally, the thing yeah. moving, <laughs> you know, but like this whole opportunity that we're in right now is full soul embodiment. So we're, we're at this place where the invitation, the, the new experience is to be fully embodied all the way down to our toes. And to do mm-hmm. that means that we, need to become aware of everything that's inside this body, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of that's painful, like, cause it might be our own traumas that we never faced or things that were too painful and just got tucked away and some fat somewhere, you know, (laughs) or some dense bone, if it's ancestral, you know, it could have gotten tucked away in some bones somewhere in your teeth. And, Mm -hmm. and so this process is really about 
um, becoming aware of these body sensations and that they're not a mistake. Like it's not just random that, mm-hmm. you know, your throat gets tight when we're talking about your mother, you know, <laughs> like, yes, yeah, that's not random. <laughs> you know, there's something to that. Right. Right. So it's helping people make those connections as well. Yeah. And really learn to navigate inside their bodies. So I, that's what I had to do. I had to learn how to navigate inside my vessel mm-hmm. and start to see like, um, like, how do I feel when a fight when I think a conflict is going to happen, like what happens inside my body? What Mm -hmm. are the sensations? Where do I feel? Do I feel tightness? Do I feel cold? Do I feel like I want to run away? Do I feel like I want to lean in? You know, what is my experience with that? And then to realize that my experience of that is completely unique to me. Mm -hmm. And I could have a zillion reasons why I feel it in my left toe, you know, and nobody else feels it in their left toe. Right. Yeah. But I do because there's a reason, maybe there's something in there that needs to be expelled, released or seen or witnessed or loved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's, it's that inner journey. Nobody else can take that journey for you. You're the only one. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Let me rephrase that. I, I love how you talk about reprogramming the mother figure into one who's fully expresses love for you, like agape love, like fully just unconditional love. And I guess it tipped it off when you're talking about the body. So often I hear people judge their bodies so much, like judge their reactions. Like I shouldn't be reacting this way, or I shouldn't, you know, do this. They're shitting all over themselves. In my mind, that often comes from, it's historical often for them. It's like some parent or significant figure, it may not be a parent even, um, put that voice there, put those beliefs in there. And then how do you access that compassionate voice? Like, yeah, okay. For me, I know if I'm headed into a conflict, like I actually have like a bodily reaction that's happened pretty recently, where it's just like, I feel completely flooded. And when this happened recently, I was able to be like super compassionate with myself. Like, of course you're flooded. Like that's a hard conflict, right? Conflict's hard for you. You know that. Like this very kind mother voice, but it took me um, lots of therapy and years to develop that. And I would say my own hypnosis um, work as well with my one of my mentors. And But finally, I felt like, oh, you know, at the age of 51, she showed up. I mean, she's been here a couple of years that I've been doing that, I would say. But it definitely took some work to make that a more of an ingrained pattern, ingrained response, this compassionate response. Okay. So this is a good question I have for you. Often when I work with people who are parents themselves, they can access that voice much easier than if they're not a parent, because somewhere along the way, they learn how to be like how to talk to their children, right? In a very compassionate, kind way. There's definitely this sort of inner mother, compassionate mother that people have, but it's so hard to access for themselves. It's much easier for them to access it for their children. And that was very true of myself as well. So how do you see that in terms of related to the mother wound, to that spiritual journey of accessing the compassionate mother? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am a mom. So, um, (laughs) Definitely, it helped me. You know, being a mom has certainly helped me to access that because I started realizing how mm, my brain was full of some criticisms and some harshness, like things like that. 
mm-hmm. when I had my first child and I noticed how I was reacting on the inside to things. And I could feel like the pattern of anger or frustration come mm-hmm. up because my mom always had a lot of that. And it's, and, and now I know it's because of the gene keys that she has, like her soul's curriculum that she has. I was like, oh, she was dealing with struggle and provocation and these other things. Okay. So she had a whole life journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but as a young sensitive child, like that was really, um, conflict was super scary for me. And I wanted to run and hide. Like I didn't want to be around those, um, energies. And, um, and so I started making this version of, of that in my head though, because we can't help it. We actually create a version of our, of, of a mother inside our heads is completely based on the mother that we experience or the surroundings we experience. And then that voice talks to you, right? Mm-hmm. So then when you have children of your own, that voice comes up and it wants to speak. And mm-hmm. I was like, no squash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I just like took it and went. Yes. And and but that I didn't know, like I didn't have tools for what to do with it beyond like, no, I'm not giving you the mic, but also like now I'm really like I'm a I'm kind of um saturated by mm-hmm. this energy and I don't know where to put the energy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get to that place. And for me, I put it in food and comfort and wine and other things, mm-hmm. right? To try to assuage that pain. But I think that when you start to notice the telltale signs, like, so those are some signs I gave, right? Like there's little clues that, um, that there's some, there's, there's some, a voice in your head that's really maybe harming you. That's actually criticizing and being cruel and saying things in a certain hard, hard hearted kind of way, or, or maybe you catch yourself saying something offhand without even thinking about how it comes, how it's coming off. And then you see it like someone's actually got upset by it, you know, like it hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. You might stop and go, Oh, wait a second. I maybe I've created this with this model within myself and it's time for me to dismantle it. And then at that point, um, a really helpful, I mean, this is even after I had kids, I was still learning how to love myself, right? Because it's so much yes. easier to love them than it is to love yourself, you know, because yes, yeah. protecting the child, right? Like children yeah. are so easy to love. So I had to get up pictures of my own childhood, mm-hmm. pictures of me as a toddler, pictures mm-hmm. of me as a precious little one that was innocent, that didn't have any you know, anything but good wishes. Like I just wanted to help. That's little children are so beautiful that way. So many times they'll, they'll, and, and even the older ones, like my 13 year old, who'll just like, they want to rush in and be supportive. Like this morning I was having a day, right? Like I was aware of that voice and I was aware enough to say to my stepdaughter, I'm having a day today. I'm feeling grumpy and tired Mm -hmm. and I'm feeling depleted and I have things to do today. And just letting you know that I might not say totally loving things today. And I'm going to do my best to say loving things. You know? Aww, yeah, that's wonderful. You know, it's like, yeah. But I'm at my, I'm at my edge right now. Today I'm at my edge. Mm-hmm. And so what'd she do? She like came and helped out. And she, I was like, Aww. thank you for being so sweet. You know, like, that's really awesome that you came in and helped out and were sweet. And mm-hmm. it's like that. I think it's that level of really, you have to own it. Like you have to know that that's in there. Mm-hmm. and that you're willing to work on it and that you're willing to hold yourself accountable to it and that you can't like, you really can't squash it. Like it is there until it's healed. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's there right. until love melts it down into mm-hmm. new gold that can be making something new. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yes. And it, and it does. It's like I found like the more love that I bring myself, the more compassion that I can bring to that myself, even knowing that those voice, like today, you know, the full moon, I give myself some grace. There was a full moon this week. There was a lot mm-hmm. of things in the air. Right. So I know a lot of people are feeling this. And so I give myself a lot of grace. It's like, yeah, I'm not done with the voice. You know, mm-hmm. the voice is still there. Mm-hmm. I can just, I can love it more. I can interact with it more. I can understand it. I know why it's there. Mm-hmm. And I can remember that inside of me, back to the point about the little child, inside of me is a little girl saying, did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Am I okay? Yeah. And the answer is yes. I love you. Yeah. You're, you're perfect the way you are. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything wrong. You're loved, you're safe, you're supported, you're held, and you're right. This other voice that comes on, boy, that can be strong sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got you. Mm-hmm. And then for the other voice, it's like, whoo-wee. <laughs> I had a therapist who used to say, where do you want to put her? I know. <laughs> like in the closet? Like, or can like, I lock her in the closet? Like pretty like, much right here. Like, <laughs> oh, I want to put her across the planet. <laughs> like, can I we send her to too. another country? <laughs> right. But the thing is, you have, it's kind of like that old saying of like, and this is not an enemy. I don't want to make this sound like it's it, but you want to keep your enemies closer, you know? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the ones that are really strong, really, I don't know, traumatized. I mean, these are ancestral patterns. I really believe that they're inheritances passed down from a lot of trauma that was never processed and healed. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that voice is strong at first because it has never, like nobody sat down with it and said, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. What are you actually feeling? Where does Mm -hmm. this even come from? Mm -hmm. What is it actually about? And got curious enough. Everyone's just like, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to happy smile my way past that thing. Yeah, right. There, like you can melt it. So as much as I said, like it's still here, like it, but it's not the way it was. Like it used to be all, almost all there was. Mm -hmm. Like this morning, I think was the most intense it's been in a really long time. And I was like, okay, there's that. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Okay, because I think it's stronger to be in presence with it than to try to send it away. I like that to be in presence with it. Yeah. Do you think and it's breathe. easier? Yeah. Right. And breathe. Do you think it's easier to heal it, transform it if the person's mother has passed away already? Like, and they're not hearing her voice all the time. Like, let's say they have a real critical mother. I don't think so. I think it's the same. And here's why okay. is because, like, that voice that I hear in my head that's an ancestral voice. So that voice is, my mother is alive still, but my grandmother is not. Mm -hmm. And her mother is not. They're Mm -hmm. all beyond the veil. And so that voice that never got really healed and loved Mm -hmm. is, is, is beyond the veil. And so if your mother is passed, that her voice is just joining the other voices beyond the veil. Mm, And now you're the, you're the new um, ancestor descendant mm-hmm. to heal this in the collective right now for your mm-hmm. lineage. Mm-hmm. So that can be, that can be challenging, right. To, yeah. to be the last stop. 
Mm-hmm. But let's say that your mom is still alive. Like as in the case, when I began this work, my mom, my mom is still alive. Mm-hmm. But when I began this work, my mom was really in a lot of pain. My dad had just died. Like I started writing the book three years ago. Mm-hmm. I would say arguably I've been doing this work my whole life, but I didn't know it until <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> so three years ago, my dad passed away and then it all came up, right? Like all the shadows mm-hmm. just went like unearthed and came up. And for my mom, that was a lot. She was lost her 45 year partner. You know, it was just, it was too much. So she took a hiatus from our relationship and I knew in my heart, like there was a lot of painful things going on in my family dynamic as often happens when somebody passes away, who was Mm -hmm. like such an important person. Yeah. And it was so painful for me to be in that process. And I knew that I was committed to healing it. So I knew whatever I had to do to heal that I was going to do it, especially Mm -hmm. since on my dad's deathbed, I promised him I would love my mom unconditionally. Mm Mm-hmm. I made that deathbed promise. It's like, this is happening. (laughs) I'm going to do this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my mom was alive, but she wasn't willing to work on it for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. She was, and like the rest of the family, there was a lot of family dynamics happening of like ostracizing me and stuff like that, you know, because of anger about me being out here talking in different contexts. Okay. So I didn't have her support then either. So in that way, it's the same as if she's departed, right? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if she's going to say yes or not. I never knew if she was going to come along and be part of this or if she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So there was no guarantee. But if your mom is still alive, there's the potential of a reconnection in mm-hmm. the physical form. Yeah. And that ray of hope can guide you. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is a powerful force. That's basically what happened for me is I, I felt in my heart, I made my promise. I was going to keep my promise Mm -hmm. just for myself. I was going to heal this. And that meant I had to go through all of my stories, all of my ideas, myself, right. The mother I created in my mind that that mother that I created in my mind was completely blocking me from seeing the woman who actually was my biological mother. Ah. I can't see her if I see the history, if I just see my version of the history over 50 years, Mm -hmm. how can I see her? Gotcha. You know, I'm seeing through the lens of a five-year-old who went through trauma. I'm seeing the the lens of the 15-year-old who was like rebellious Mm -hmm. and angry. I'm seeing through the lens of the 20-year-old who's like, don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. All of those lenses is the judgment that I had for my mom. Mm Mm-hmm. And that really made it difficult for us to talk and relate to each other and now add in the ancestral patterns and the steam of that, right? Like the kind of the boulder running downhill. Uh-huh. It's really hard for a mom and a daughter to hear each other with all that ancestral noise as well, mm. all the unhealed stuff. So um, I did a lot of ancestral healing too. I did a lot of healing with plant medicine. I don't know if, if that's part of your podcast here, but um, I- Yeah, you can talk about it if you like. Yeah. yeah. So I worked a lot with ayahuasca mm-hmm. in many ceremonies to clear mm-hmm. out. And I and in several ceremonies, I said to the ancestors, if you have something to heal and forgive, you have my vessel. Like you're in me anyway. So mm-hmm. let's heal it. Let's forgive it. Let's release it. Let's clear it so that it can be- 
you know, our ancestral DNA can be upgraded without that pattern in it. Mm-hmm. And so there were many ceremonies where I was just, you know, really holding some big space for that to happen in my vessel. And um, it was very intense. Mm-hmm. So, but as a result of that, in all the medicine work I've done in the shamanic work and, you know, different modalities that I've used, and many of which I talk about in the book in terms of the key realizations and concepts and the inner work, you know, the inner work to set your mom free of who you said she was, you mm-hmm. know, is like you get to meet who the actual woman is. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've gotten that joy now. Like my mm-hmm. mom and I are reconnected. We've had um, many meals together now. And she's actually for the first time interested in spirituality. So she's been letting me show her about her gene keys. Mm -hmm. And we've been really enjoying seeing from the bigger perspective, how connected we are, like her life Mm -hmm. plan, and my life plan are like puzzle pieces that fit together. It's like Mm -hmm. things that she was working on, like the struggle and the provocation, as a warrior of love, they call it in um, Richard Rudd's work Mm -hmm. is like, that was her life plan is to stand up for herself and speak out and, and lean into the conflict and, and don't let, Mm -hmm. you know, she was, she was very um, young during the sixties. Right. So she was right there during the civil rights movement. And she was an agitator, like this can't be right. We're not going to let this happen. And, and that's who she was and is today. She's still a fighter and she's always, you know, sending the letters to the Congress people and pretty much every day. (laughs) So that's my mom. She gets involved. And then here I was like a very, um, I'm an, I'm an empath. I'm more of a, a feeler. I Mm -hmm. sense, I feel, I perceive I'm way more psychic. And to me, I'm very nuanced in all of that, that kind of warrior energy can be hard for me to be around Mm -hmm. because it's, I'm so sensitive. I really feel that energy. Yeah. So growing up with her helped me to become um, more resilient with that energy because we have a world filled up with conflict. So if I don't have deep roots and I can't hold space for that, then how can I be in service? Mm-hmm. You know, and then the provocation piece is like so powerful because I learned how to dance with my words and my tone and my inflection so that I wouldn't provoke her into being upset. Mm-hmm. Right. So that skill, that was a skill. I have fine tuned that skill my whole life. And I, at first I was, when I started my healing process, I was so resentful about it. Like, that's not right. You can't make a kid like do that. And that's not fair. And, and now I'm like, wait a second. I just got like a master's program in delivering messages with love. Mm, yeah. Right. Like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we can really like, my mom feels really honored, you know, now that, um, she knows I see her, mm-hmm. like I see her and I don't see her as a problem. I don't see her as a mistake. I don't see her as a failure. I don't see her as, you know, my greatest nemesis. I see her as one of my greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. And some of those lessons were hard. Yeah. Some of those lessons hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. That's but ultimately, mother. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Gene Keys. Can you tell the audience what that is? Yeah, it's my new favorite obsession. Um, it's called Gene Keys, J-E-N-E-K-E-Y-S.com. It's a, a, a body of work created by Richard Rudd, and it's based on human design. It's, a, it's an aspect of human design. And 
Richard Rudd took those gates in human design and turned them into gene keys. And then he related them to the I Ching. And so there's 64 gene keys, Mm -hmm. 64 gates, 64 I Ching. So um, essentially what you end up getting is a map of your soul's curriculum. You get 11 gene keys that spell out your soul's curriculum in this lifetime, in this incarnation, mm-hmm. in terms of the shadows that you're going to face and the interlocking patterns of those shadows that keep you stuck in a low vibratory pattern. And then the gifts that you can claim in each one of those gene keys, like the elevated frequency and which you can lift yourself to claim those gifts, right? And then up to the Siddic state, which is like the, you know, heaven on earth, if, if heaven was on earth, this is how you would feel experience. Huh. And so like it, it gives you um, a map to understand like everything you've been facing so far in this life. And so I like to use it in my work. When I work with people to heal the mother wounds, I like them to see this. Like if you look at your gene keys chart, you will see the wounds that you're facing in your life that you blamed your mom for. Uh-huh. But here it is in black <laughs> and white. Uh-huh. Like she was just the vessel that said yes mm-hmm. to birthing you into your life experience and giving you the starting point in her womb mm-hmm. for all these paradigms that you were going to be facing in your life. She just was the one that said yes yeah. to bring you in. Mm-hmm. Yes to the contract. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. And it's fun to see for the whole family. So we, we always get the charts for everybody. And then as a parent, it helps me because- um, before this tool came along, I would be so frustrated, you know, if my child was lying, for example, I would be like, oh, this is so irritating. Why do they lie? And then my judgment shadow would kick in. And then I would be like, what about integrity? You know, and how come mm-hmm. they don't have any integrity? And and all of this, you know, we get like so concerned about them and that they're lying. And and then now I look at the gene key and I go, oh, yep, working through lying. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's part of the lesson plan. Cool. So glad that's there. You know, it's like, that's great. How old like, are your kids now? Um, I have an 18 year old and a 21 year old. Okay. And then I'm remarried and mm-hmm. I have a 13 year old daughter and uh, a 12 year old son. So the youngest is 12. Okay. All right. Yeah, wow. I signed, I signed up and went back in for more mommy time. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't get enough. Hey, send you're more in, prepared coach. now. All right. <laughs> yeah, send me in for some more, coach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I usually people start the interview this way, but we're just going to go backwards today. <laughs> yes, um, okay. All right. I see that you worked in tech for like 20 years, tech and marketing consultant. Yeah, like I, worked, I, I worked in high tech in Silicon Valley. I worked as uh, marketing was the funner part of the job. Um, I also did, uh, like API references and programmer guides and like oh. the really deep technical stuff uh-huh. and, um, the stuff that makes more money, but cause nobody wants to do it because uh-huh. it's so dry and boring, <laughs> boring, right? Yeah. I was hidden behind a desk for many years doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it taught me how to, um, understand really difficult, challenging, complex concepts. And then digest them and translate them in a way that people can understand. Mm-hmm. And so actually it was a skill that I use all the time now. Yeah, I bet. Well, what was that moment? Was there many moments or was there a final moment where you're like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm like moving on <laughs> to, the, to the next <laughs> profession, which so is moments. like spiritual advisor. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? 
Well, let's see. I, my first my first attempt at escaping high tech was when I was leading Silicon Valley Open Studios. I was an artist. Uh, I never gave up my art, even though I did all that dry tentacle stuff. I would I would paint for hours before I went into work, and then I'd I'd be at work. But um, but I tried to make a go at that, you know, to be mm-hmm. a professional artist. And I learned after three years of investing all of my time and effort into being this nonprofit that a lot of people in Silicon Valley really didn't care about art. <laughs> they kind of mm-hmm. cared about Benz's and Lexus's and the neighborhood that they lived in and the Rolex. So um, that was disappointing. So after I, that first attempt, which um, didn't work, then I recommitted to some high tech and we moved, actually, we moved to Texas. And that's really where my journey of awakening um, in the real sense began. I mean, I feel like I already started awakening when I had my kids, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like yes. when you become a mom, like that's yeah. a big awakening. But in terms of my personal journey and um, being bold enough to follow my own path, like my legitimate own path, that really started after we moved to Texas. And I was here for maybe five, six years before it was like I was at the bottom of the barrel with, you know, all of the psychotherapy. I was in weekly psychotherapy for about 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, trying to he- fix this, whatever <laughs> was going on here that wasn't right. Yeah. And just kind of ran out of steam on that and got up against, you know, the the dark night of the soul and mm-hmm. came into that like nightmares at night and Mm. And just erratic behavior and just self-loathing, all, you know, wanting to die, all of that. And I, I said, you know what, I'm going to have to leave this marriage because um, it must be the marriage, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need to go. But really what it was, was a spiritual awakening, you know, mm, yes. I needed to yeah. awaken. So about six months after um, I left my former partner, I got introduced to yoga and then I got introduced to a teacher of shamanic teachings Mm -hmm. and then I received a healing, a shamanic healing, Mm -hmm. and that blew my doors off. And Mm -hmm. I was like different in 45 minutes. And I thought, whatever this is, I'm doing this. Wow. I don't even care Uh how much time it takes to learn this Mm -hmm. because this works way better than those weekly psychotherapy sessions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Out of there. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know a lot of psychotherapists today are, are using multiple modalities because they also have realized the same thing, but, yeah. um, but yeah, the shamanic healing was potent. And so I went and learned how to do that. And that's really when I started transitioning about halfway through my curriculum, actually more, I graduated from my, um, from the four winds life body school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was, I had clients for like a year or so and, I had had a sustaining job, right? A corporate mm-hmm. sustaining job from home. I got a one-year layoff. Oh, I mean, who gets one year? Yeah, it was like it was like my notice. Like I could tell, spirit was like, "Guess what? You got one year to pull your business together and get uh-huh. off the ground because you're not going to do this stuff anymore." Uh-huh. <laughs> so I took it. I I like ran with it. I anything I could do to like awesome. get success mm-hmm. in one year. <laughs> that's yeah. what I did. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, people have to be ready for that. There's one time when I said um, to one of my mentors, actually, she was writing a group and I was like, oh, you can heal that in a weekend. You know, you don't need like 20 years of therapy. And she looked at me and she said, 
Well, actually you had the 20 years of therapy before you got to that weekend, right? <laughs> it's like, mm, yes. Yeah. You know? she, I was like, she's True. like, you were ready. I was like, yes, I was. You know, she's like, so I think people find it when they're ready. I really do believe that. And some people need the longer therapy and some people don't. Some people are ready. I needed a lot of it. Right? I picked a, I picked some big patterns this lifetime. I was like, yeah. let me, let me go in the middle of this hornet's nest and just like, you know, like just clean yeah. this out. I mean, because yeah. I just had both stuff on my mom's, my natural mother's side and my mm -hmm. natural father's side, like just so much mm -hmm. to heal in those yes. lineages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're in Austin now. Is that right? Yeah. Austin, Texas. Okay. And did you grow up in Texas? I was born in Dallas, but uh -huh. um, my mom, zero to five, uh, we were with, um, actually when I was one to one and a half, up to one and a half, we lived with my natural father. Mm -hmm. And then he was some, you know, he, like I said, there was some family stuff and mm -hmm. he was a child that had been abused. Mm -hmm. And so he was looking like he was going to replicate that abuse on me. And so my mom um, had to leave him. And, uh, and then we had a, uh, my first stepdad mm -hmm. who lived with, uh, uh, we lived with him until five and okay. he moved us out of Texas and up to new England. Uh-huh. And he was, uh, he was a violent drunk. So he was that a lot of my wounding came from that, mm -hmm. th that part of my life and mm -hmm. what my mom went through and what I went through. And then we met my dad. So mm -hmm. things got better, but yeah, we spent most of um, my life in new England, in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and a little one year in Virginia. And then when I graduated college, I moved out to, to Silicon Valley. So oh, I just okay. made the full circle all the way back. You know, okay, interesting. Because in I don't, I don't think you detail that in your books, but I kept getting this sense that this woman's from Texas. I'm from Texas. I grew up outside right, of Dallas. Yeah. yeah, and I went to UT Austin for college. You know, I grew up in Texas until I was like 22 and moved to Florida for graduate school. So I kept getting this sense, and then finally I get to the end of um, your second wave book, and it says, "Oh, she lives in Austin." And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> That's, That's why I feel like she's from Texas. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to ask you, because you also talk some about looking for your Cherokee roots. Yes. I have Cherokee and Choctaw in my history. And so that always makes me think of Texas as well and um, those lineages. So I just wanted to ask, I was like, hmm, I'm very interested. Did she grow up there or did she just end up there? And it's sort of like, oh, a full circle for you. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah. a lot of people um, in the second wave, as I talk about in the book, you know, we chose to incarnate into lineages that had Native American blood mm -hmm. because uh, we wanted to have those um, Native American ancestors in our DNA, you know, to support us in revitalizing Earth spirituality and Earth loving the earth can reconnecting with mother earth and those that wisdom is in our bodies because it's in our ancestry. So, um, we needed to rekindle that. So a lot of us have native American roots. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, we are coming to the end of our time, but I'd like to just thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom and experience. Can you please tell people how to find you? Yes. Uh, my website is carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com. And uh, if you're interested in the mother wound material and uh, some interviews, I did a, a series of interviews called The Return of Mother Wisdom, which 
are awesome interviews and just a range of topics, so many beautiful topics. Um, you can get those for free at motherwoundbook.com. You'll be invited to get a copy of the Love is Fierce book and and then and you can still fill it out even if you don't have an order number, it'll still work. But it's uh, mother, <laughs> You're giving already the secrets, right? I know. It'll still work. Only because, you know, I figure I don't want to hold people hostage, you know, to get a copy of the book. But <laughs> totally, yeah. But the interviews are awesome. They're really good interviews. Awesome. Great. Thank you again for being here. Thank you, Liz. truly enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace.